felt the sense of loneliness. Um, and like I say, but the technique might have been just talking to yourself, you know, keep yourself company. I mean, um, you were probably alone a lot of the time from like early 2020 to like early 2020 or late 2021 or something, I guess. But uh, it's probably different in like where you're Hoxton or Shoreditch or somewhere, aren't you? It's probably a bit different there than it is because it's just you look at your window, there's people. Whereas if you're in a small place or like in the countryside or something, you might not see anybody for weeks. That would yeah, be different. Yeah. I think I think you're right, right as well. There's there's maybe a sense of remoteness that is also that can amplify loneliness. Um uh, which although then again that you can be very, very alone in a very busy city though as well. Um like if you've relocated or you've gone to a new place. Uh, you know, I can imagine London being super lonely if you if you didn't have a few people to, to talk to initially and stuff. You know what I mean? My aunt's lived in my aunt's lived in London since 1980. About 10 years ago, she started splitting her life between London and Glasgow, and she she absolutely loves London. But she has said that it is a very very it, it can be a very lonely lonely city. Yeah, yeah. You're never more alone than when you're in a crowd. Isn't that what they say? Um, and it. I think we're having a laugh about it, but it is true. Folks talk about loneliness um, and these things happen. You know, everyone kind of feels lonely. We all have different techniques to deal with it. Um, and no one knows which technique is better or, uh, or worse than the other. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess some, some techniques seem to be effective. My, my technique uh, for, for your, for your interest, self-interest is simply to talk to myself, um, which some people assume is a, is a sign of insanity. But, but no, it works for me. <laughs> Anyway, welcome everybody to Brave Food Live on Air, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. It is episode 196, um, and we are very excited to be having this conversation with you today uh, because we're going to be talking about generative AI, but we're going to be talking about it with the lens of DE&I, uh, particularly what we think the potential challenges might be when we're looking at all of these generative artificial intelligence uh, technologies. We've seen some really interesting examples exposed uh, uh, that have exposed some really problematic outputs, shall we say. Um, I don't know whether you saw, um, Adam, what Irina kind of shared, where she did a, a mid-journey prompt for doctors, for instance. Um, and guess what? You know, produced a, a, a gallery yeah. Of, yeah. of of generated faces of, of mainly white male older white male faces um and of yeah. course the parallel search of nurses was you know uh younger uh white female nurses so uh, and this is simply the ai um producing content from the data that's been pre-trained on which is additional sort of existing images on the internet um which has been dominated by those stereotypical demographics um so that's just a really visceral yeah. example of what we're talking about we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper we've got loads of great guests we've got commentary to make on it um and we're going to get into it anyway um let's uh, make sure we do some sound checks first of all um folks um if you can hear me well on crowdcast please let me know uh, on the uh, chat stream there um, we should be going live on LinkedIn Facebook Twitter and everywhere else so if you're watching this on a different platform uh, other than Crowdcast please do let me know if you're on LinkedIn for instance 
just give me a thumbs up or something um and uh, and confirm that the audio is fine and um, by the way I'm, I, I didn't bring my mic with me today um because i am i'm actually in uh, cape town south africa um and i basically am tired of carrying a very heavy lump of metal um around with me uh, i need to find one of those clip mics that actually can work with a mac um because uh yeah getting that you know ridiculous uh uh, what was it called? Blue something or another, blue crab or whatever the, the, the heck that brand is. Great mic, but it's like pointless carrying it around for like one hour's worth of live stream. Um, anyway, good stuff. A uh, few people can hear me okay. That is fantastic. Um, let's roll forward uh, with Adam Gordon as always. Adam, great to see you on the show. And by the way, I just want to give a quick shout out to your latest initiative, uh, which is kind of related to this topic. I really liked it. Um, and this was you essentially trying trying to help particularly female founders with some advice on uh, you know some of the stuff you've got experience in raising money uh, initial team getting to exit etc do you want to use the opportunity to tell us a little bit about that maybe maybe it's a good promo for that little initiative as well yeah so i'm building a new company starting in august but between now and then um i'm spending a bit of my time doing paid work for companies at a very very high rate because I don't really want to do a lot of it, to be honest. So barrier to entry, I want to make it pretty high. But anyway, with the rest of my time, um, I love the sort of early stages of a business, especially if it's an HR tech, which I know a bit about. And um, so I, I've um, had a lot of people, in the first month after leaving iSIMS, I had a lot of people contact me saying, hey, look, any chance you could take a look at my sales deck or my business plan or my you know market positioning or raising investment you know and it was all men uh and you know i i i was like pretty um i i i was happy to help anybody it, it didn't matter if they're especially if they're in in hr tech i'm just interested in the subjects and stuff like that and i'm i'm very happy to help i want people to succeed and uh on international women's day what occurred to me was all these men are voluntarily coming to me saying like, are like just proactively coming to me saying, Hey, can you help? And I'm thinking, yeah, I am happy to help, but where are all the women? There's definitely women founders out there. Why isn't, why, why are no women coming to me just asking for my time? And so this is exactly the same challenge we have in talent acquisition around like the job of ma manager of Manchester United comes up and I'm like, yeah, I could do that. I'm going to apply. You know, zero qualifications, barely know, you know, barely know a strategy for a football team. But, you know, I'll just go for it. Women probably wouldn't do that. Anyway, uh, on uh, International Women's Day, it just occurred to me. And this wasn't, I wasn't trying to do it as like a bit of self-promotion. But I just thought, look, just, po just post it. Like, women, come and come to me and I'll help you if you think I can help. And I, I, I don't, there's a lot of things I don't know. But if I can help, I'd love to help. Um, and... I posted a couple of sort of follow-ups and um, I've got 14. Uh, I, I've either done like, I've done three one-hour sessions and I've got another 11 in the calendar with women founders around like a specific situation they've got. See if it's about how to scale up your sales team. You're already at 10 million of revenue. I don't know anything about that. But if it's, look, we're now at 250,000 of annual revenue. We want to get to 750,000 and then do a big, uh, you know, investment or an investment round at a few million. I know how to help with that. So anyway, yes, happy to help.
Have I disappeared or has Hung disappeared? Right. I hope he comes back because honestly, I can't do this show. It's his show. I've got things to talk about, but I can't even invite the guests on or anything. Tell a joke. Okay. Um, so, uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting moo. That's my only joke. Keep keep talking. You're the only you're the only live person. Well, I might be the only person alive. I've got no idea. Has the uh, has the fungus got us all? Maybe not you. You might be. Uh... Yeah. All right. People like the joke. <laughs> Disappointed. That made me laugh. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought, Rob. I thought he was like. Yeah, I really want to hear about that. Uh, I hope everybody doesn't just disappear. Yeah, I know. I, I, if it was my show, then I would know what to say and who to bring on and I'd be able to know what to do. Play the bagpipes. Now, that's a good one. Unfortunately, I can't do that. Um, I could probably learn, but it's quite hard. You've got to do quite a few things at once. Um, and interestingly, the focus on getting the air into the bag, you, you don't do it in the same time with playing the, the, the song. So the beat is out of sync. It's pretty, pretty difficult. Uh, okay, Baz, why don't you talk about how to get funding? Um, so uh, the idea doesn't really matter. It's all about the founding team. The idea will iterate at the beginning stage. It doesn't matter if your as long as your idea is not like unethical or something. You can probably uh, you you can probably have a bad idea. Great founders, great team, and you'll you'll get money. Uh, tell us more about your initiative. I, I've kind of I kind of I kind there's not a lot really to say. Any female founders out there at an early stage with their business, I can't I I can't help them with like. They're already at 10 million. What do they do next? But uh, early stage, any female founders who think I can give them some advice, then just put an hour in my diary and I'll help them do it. Um, things around like, yeah, how to, business plan, sales deck, investment deck, positioning, that type of thing. Have you read all those books behind you? Very few of them. I've read a few, but... Um, I've got a lot of, funnily enough, I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD. I got diagnosed with not ADHD, but I, I was bang in the middle. And one of the aspects of that is I don't have the attention span to, I, I can't, I, I just can't read. If it's like a paragraph, I can read it, no problem. But if it's a whole book, nah, I just, my, my brain focuses on all the letters individually and slows me down a lot. Uh, Daniela, the thing is, founders are biased in the way they expect women to behave or present. How do you help mitigate it? 
founders are biased in the way they expect women to behave or present. How do you help mitigate it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand the question, and I'm not sure I've got an answer even if I do understand the question. Uh, but I do know that it's quite interesting that female founders weren't just tapping me up for advice, whereas men absolutely were. Oh, investors do. Ah, no, things are changing a lot in that, Daniela. There are, there are um, absolutely there. There, there are big changes in that. Venture capitals, venture capital firms are absolutely setting targets. They're setting targets for the number of partners and, and investors they have in their organizations. And they're absolutely setting targets for investing in founders, which represent society that we live in. So um, I still think there are uh, there isn't enough VC money going into female founders. Um, and there's a lot to be done about that. But there's definitely an intention within that world within that community to get better and there are there are funds which are set up only to invest in female-led businesses for example so you know there's things happening in there but yes absolutely let's take this opportunity as hung says the conversation shouldn't finish um on this and uh we should swap <laughs> linkedin details so everybody connect and carry on the conversation about this brain food that we've not been talking about so I'm going to put mine in right here. And then let's cover um, Tom's point. Women authored articles I've read seem to resent mansplaining. So that's a thing. Jeez, the concept of mansplaining is very, very difficult for me because what I definitely don't want to do is, is post on there, hey, look, any female founders out there that uh, think I can help them because I think I'm better or because I think I know stuff that they're too stupid to know or something like that. Jeez, I, I, I've, I've got to really be careful about the way that I explain things. And I, I make an offer like that, that I'm not trying to be patronizing or whatever. I genuinely, genuinely want to help. And I don't know very much. There's not a lot, a lot I know, but God, I'm always treading a, treading a fine line between mansplaining, but I'm mansplaining to men as well. Some of the time, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> So let's do a poll while we wait. Um, I think what we should do a poll around is how long do we give Hunk to see if he can uh, connect? In fact, um, Vanessa, you're on here. Maybe you could go around to his hotel and give him some Wi-Fi like booster or something like that. He's probably not in the same city and South Africa is probably massive. I'm not sure. Who else has got any other ideas? Let me tell you about a couple of the startup, um, a couple of the a couple of the, the the common themes that I've had in terms of the startups that I've been talking to. Uh, diversity, definitely. Tools that will debias um, job adverts. Yeah, great, absolutely. Um, another others, tools which are. Tools which have um, tools which are making use of ChatGPT, and they're like saying we're built on ChatGPT. Well, hang on, you've been built for a year. You can't be built on ChatGPT. That's not even a thing. You can't be built on ChatGPT. <laughs> you can have ChatGPT embedded by an API as of about two weeks ago, but you certainly weren't built on ChatGPT. Oh, another one. Um, 
looking at putting a credibility score on every person on the planet. There's a few challenges with that idea, like quite a lot. Uh, oh, the worst mistake you made at Candidate ID. I mean, I made, I made a lot of mistakes, absolutely. Candidate ID is an absolutely superb product. iSIM's marketing automation is an amazing product. Uh, worst mistakes you made? Yeah, I made a lot. Probably not going to use this forum to talk about them. Uh, Daniela, yeah, the textio analysis on ChatGPT, creating job descriptions or performance feedback. Have you looked at that? What's the what's 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 the outcome? Um, I saw Bull, I saw Broadbean put some ChatGPT job advert text, create a job advert with ChatGPT, then put it into the Bullhorn like um, job ad bias score provider, and it looked pretty good to me, to be honest. It wasn't it wasn't ready to go. It definitely wasn't ready to go, but it came out with Bullhorn's tool, came out with like, here's the things you need to fix. It was just some recommendations. It gave it a score. It was uh yeah, I mean it was it was it was pretty good. Um the combination of the the the, the way it wrote the job ad and probably saved the writer like 90% of their time on writing a job ad, and then 10% to finesse it using uh, Broadbean's um, Broadbean's like tool to help analyze the bias or whatever. Um, and has my son worn his PSV jersey yet? Yeah, no, he's he's worn it a lot. He's grown out of it actually. Send more, Baz. Send more. And right. so here's my here's my guest today. It's uh, Hung Lee. You might know him. Hung, would you like to just give yourself an introduction and? Can I? It's uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, Adam, thank you for just holding the fort there for ten minutes. I hope your ad lib was as good as it usually is. Um, I, I'd like to just blame Hotel Wi-Fi. I'm going to do that because it should really be rock solid, but it ain't. Um, and I've been fiddling with it for the last uh, last fifty minutes or so. Good lord! Anyway, we seem to be back. Um, so welcome, everybody. Um, we've got to get on to the sponsors. Sorry, Sire, we need to bring you on. Um, folks, um, let's get on with it. Um, uh, we need to bring on Sal Majos. He is the sponsor of the show today. Remember, all sponsors, basically, uh, without whom we would not be able to bring you Brain Food Live. Um, uh, so MetaView have been one of the businesses that have been so consistent in helping us uh, this year to make sure we bring these conversations to you. Um, so please do make sure you check them out. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a four-part series with MetaView on the aspect of AI and ChatGBT for different aspects of recruiting. That's kicking off next week. So I'm very excited about that as well. Um, but let's bring on Sal. He can tell us all about his product and why we need to care about it. Um, and we'll uh, we'll pick it up from there. There we go. Do you know what? It's it was like um, yeah, the internet. It's hard work over here, bro. Um, uh, lovely place, but um, it's tough. There he is, Sal Machos. How are you doing, Sal? Hey, folks. Yeah, really good. We uh, was was worried about you there, huh? But glad to glad to see you. You 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 were frozen with a very concentrated face for a good while, and we weren't quite sure oh. if uh, if that was frozen <laughs> or if that was you. Oh, well, I was having a, like one of those moments where perhaps you had a, a hernia at the wrong time or something. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Well, listen, great to see you, Sal. Um, why don't you give us um, your overview as to what MetaView is, why, who should care about it, and uh, and why should they care? I'm just going to wait a few minutes because I don't want my brand to be overly associated with Hung having a hernia. So if we could just wait a little bit. 
Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, so yeah, I'm Sile, one of the co-founders at MetaView. Really pumped to be sponsoring. I'll try and be super quick because obviously we lost a bit of time. Um, but uh, yeah, pumped to be sponsoring this. Um, if you've seen many of the other sort of brain food episodes on ChatGPT, you've probably heard us speak a bit about uh, what we do and, and our recent launch, which is all about AI-generated interview notes. So one of the things you're probably we're probably going to talk about during this session is how a lot of what um, a lot of artificial intelligence products rely on is what's already out there in the world and how that might already be biased if, if you're basing your answers on that. Well, MetaView's product where we generate these interview notes is really interesting because it summarizes the conversation that you are having with candidates. So it's got nothing to do with any biases that might exist outside of that conversation. It's just a really sort of sort of it's just a 10x productivity enhancer for you as a recruiter because you don't have to take your notes anymore. MetaView's AI will do it for you but it's still just based on what you're saying in your conversations with your candidates. Um, we've got really amazing companies using it at the moment who sort of repeatedly tell us it's a game changer. Um, head over to metaview.ai, click sort of start a free trial and would love to get you onboarded and give you a chance to feel the magic yourself. Um, so yeah, please, please do that. Uh, Hung mentioned we're running a, a series with him as well. So uh, you can also head over to our website, go to the resources section. I'll, I'll post a link in the chat momentarily. We've got four uh, events where we're going to sort of just deep dive into how AI might impact candidate assessment, candidate experience, interviewer training, and just general recruiting data. So yeah, really excited by um, what we really see as the next frontier for general productivity, but definitely recruiting productivity. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, excited to chat more about that. Yeah, fantastic. It'd be great to connect with you on that next week, Sile. Uh, but yeah, listen, check out AI Notes. Um, I think it's one of the best products out there with regards to using technology of this type. Uh, really to take off uh, a lot of weight from recruiters' uh, sort of effort uh, from a practical point of view, but also have a think about the potential biases that creep in when you're in there making notes of people, you know. Um, you're literally multitasking away. You're going to be much more susceptible to, uh, to the, the wrong kinds of input simply because you're not focused on the person. Um, uh, so that, at the very least, is something I think we need to start to start making it into a mandatory thing rather than a, um, a, 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 a something that you choose to do. So check out AI Notes at MetaView. Sal, thank you so much for your updates. Uh, hang around with us. I'm sure you've got lots of comments to make for the rest of the show. Um, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks, folks. Have a good episode. Bye. Cool dude. Um, so uh, we probably don't have time to review the newsletter, Adam, because I know you had to do a Q&A. So let's just dive straight into this conversation, um, uh, which is how exactly does generative AI potentially threaten um, the work we try to do in creating a diverse, equitable and, and, and a fair workplace? You know, how, how does it potentially uh, uh, what are the things we actually need to be aware of when we go and do that? Um, loads of people wanted to be on involved in this show, and some of them have kind of come in at late notice, but um, I'm going to try and bring them in because there's some people in there with some really unique views that I want to present, first of all. So I'm going to try and bring in Jennifer um, uh, immediately because she came at me uh, when I posted this on LinkedIn, um, and Jennifer has some really good comments to make, uh, particularly about some of the uh, you know, the data that she found, I think it might have been from Textio or something, um, about how uh, there was gender bias in outputs um, from ChatGBT, uh, GPT, should I say. Um, and it will be interesting to see, um, uh, just get an overview of what that is and what that looks like. There she is. Uh, how are you doing, Jennifer? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. I'm doing very well. Thank you. 
I'm so happy to hear you live moving again. Yeah, I know. I was worried myself, you know. Uh, you no know, one wants to have a fixed visage of my face uh, sort of uh, on screen. That's a terrible thing. Um, so, Jennifer, listen, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yes, I am. I'm Jennifer. I am one of the founders of Develop Diverse and also uh, the managing director. And what we do at Develop Diverse is to support companies, increase diversity and build a culture of inclusion by, by ensuring that they communicate in an inclusive manner. So what we develop is a software that you could say in short is like a, a spell checker for biased language. But rather than yeah, checking for spelling mistakes, looking looks into what is the biased language that we use in our uh, communication. And the software not only detects the bias language, but also proposes inclusive alternatives for the user. So real time will detect the word, you hover on it, and it gives you inclusive alternatives. And also educates you while you are using the software. So it tells you which groups of society are being, uh, are being discouraged by this word, word and why. So it's trying to bring you the scientific knowledge into a more easy to digest way so that you can learn one word at a time. Yeah, that's really, really valuable. And we, we've got, I think everyone's got sort of anecdotal evidence in their own experience that, you know, the words we use and the, the, the way we use them and even the, the mediums that we use and how we use them do affect people in different ways. And there is some sort of gender bias or gender variance, if you like, in terms of the responses. Adam uh, made his own sort of uh, uh, example at the beginning of this. So tell us a little bit more about how ChatGBT has caused you to look into um, some of the outputs that it's generated. Um, what have you seen uh, that's caused you to think, hang on, potentially this may be, a, may be a concern. Yeah, so we we are aware that ChatGPT is- Oh, fantastic. I think Jennifer's frozen here, no. It's only you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I could see Hank uh, going a bit off, but you are there. So happy, happy yep. to do So I can move on. Um, so what, what we know ChatGPT has so much potential and it can help us in so many ways. But there is also a concern that if we do not, if we are not critical or conscious about how we use it and for what, we can actually reinforce the stereotypes, uh, especially in the workplace. And we knew ChatGPT has also been used for generating job descriptions as so many other type of content. And we wanted to see is the, the job descriptions that are being generated by ChatGPT are biased in any way, and if so, how much compared to the human uh, the humans whenever they do it. So we decided to, to test it. So we, we, we collected 7,000 job ads uh, and we uh, of five, 15 different industries. And then that we were generated by humans. And then we asked ChatGPT to generate also the same amount of job ads with the same job title so that we could compare them one-on-one. -on -one. And then we run them through our software our software detects biases against, uh, like focuses on six social uh, groups, gender, also non-conforming gender, ethnicity, age, neurodiversity, and physical disabilities. And we ask, we, we analyze all those two sets of, of job descriptions and the outputs show that actually the job ads generated by ChatGPT, the synthetic uh, job ads were 40% more biased than the one generated by humans. In particular, it was more biased for uh, against women. It was more biased against disadvantaged ethnic groups. It was more biased against uh, people with physical disabilities and neurodivergent. 
And it was the least biased for men, only with 9%, which, you know, I guess that's an, a completely expected number. Um, and another, some, yeah. so, sorry, Jennifer, that's really good um, overview. Very, very interesting information as well we've already got some questions in chat and i think it's, it's it's valid questions if you have any links to that research or you've published in any way wonderful to get that shared so that people can digest it if you haven't then no worries we can still discuss it through um but yeah fascinating things i'm actually quite surprised because i would have thought that chat gbt would have produced less bias outputs than humans because humans already are pretty biased right um, and in fact if we understand how chat gbt has worked it's basically worked on the pre-training of adverts that are already in existence so um why do you think uh, it's produced this output um when in fact it's based on a presumably human produced um adverts in the first place uh, how has it become more biased when it's been trained on human work uh, well, we we believe that it could be also because the synthetic text, even though you have been trained with uh, human-generated job ads, is not necessarily only that. We also, because for instance, we saw that uh, the job ads generated by ChatGPT were um, they were they had a limited limited vocabulary compared to the ones by written by humans. So even though you could say they should be mimicking the human ones, they were still more template-like uh, in a different way. Um, so this could also be a, a one of, of the reasons. It's not exactly the one generated by, uh, by humans, but it's also about the data we inputted, right? So even though it has been inputted the data from the humans, it has to be um, representative uh, enough as well. Can I ask about the, uh, the job ad? Yeah, the job adverts, the human produced job adverts that you uh, used. Um, where where did you get those adverts from? We we scraped them. So we scraped them from uh, multiple uh, websites, and in this case, they were from the UK mostly. So how so how do you? Okay. So how, how do you know that they weren't synthetic job ads? How do you know that they weren't produced by Textio or produced by another tool which is developed to create bias-free job ads? And, and a, another question associated with that would be, where does the UK rank in global terms on like the inclusivity of its job ads? Because if it's up at the top, then that's comparing ChatGPT against the very best, you know, most inclusive job ads. Or if the UK is down at the bottom, then so that you know, there's a few things that, that make a difference in this. So great to find out. Yeah, uh, your first question was once again. Uh, I have the, fir the second first question, question was how do you know, how do, so the first question was how do you know that those job adverts haven't been produced yes. by Textio or other or or Optimal or other like tools which de-bias job ads because a lot of them probably were. Um, that's a good question. They could, they could have been, indeed. That's a, a question we cannot rule out. Uh, indeed, that they could have been. I think, I think the UK well. is a country that's quite. Uh, I think the UK is a country that's probably quite advanced in terms of adopting technologies to remove bias. So that was. I mean, I might be wrong, but it's just a guess. Uh, yes, uh, as I said, we we don't we in, indeed we cannot uh, we cannot confirm that. So that's not a. There's no possibility for us to confirm that. Um, so yeah, this is something I can I couldn't I couldn't tell. Um, just, just on the second one. Yeah. And do, second do you know, question. 
where does the UK where does the UK rank for like anti anti bias like globally? Is it or, or is it good or is it bad or yeah? Where is it? Because that so probably it, impacts the answer to the first question. Sorry it, for talking. I could stop talking. It's all good. It's all good. Regarding the ranking between UK, so it's it's not UK is not ranking uh, worse or better than the average in in Europe. On like the the differences are, are not drastic uh, as we could see as by you know this 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 forty percent increase. Um, we see that the stereotype, yeah. So the, the stereotypes that we see, how because we are talking about implicit language, right? We are talking about language that is embedded, ingrained, is in the unconscious level in our brains. So uh, even if we are our gender uh, equality culture or diversity, it's high on the agenda. This is a process that uh, that takes a lot of time in order to get rid of it. Yeah. And and language is heavily ingrained still, and there are no big differences within UK and, and uh, other countries within uh, Europe. Yeah. Okay, I think no, there's probably. I mean, I, I think it's it, more so what I was trying to find out about was do we do we know about the UK's ranking in terms of adoption of anti-bias technologies, for example? But one one other question is just associated with this is when you've asked ChatGPT to write the job ads. And it's got 40% more bias. Have you looked at <clears throat> when we give ChatGPT a prompt, which is write this in inclusive language? Yes. Does that make a difference or what? We have asked this in different ways. So we have tried to see does it give a different input? So when the way we we label a job ad to be inclusive or not is through a score. And the score differences, it was minimum. So there was a slightly score difference, but it was a minimum, so almost neglect, neglectable. And what we observe is that uh, a tendency that the, 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 the chat GPT had was to add a, a, a statement about diversity and inclusion when you ask them, ask it to, to produce a more inclusive job ad. So that's where, when you try to prompt it, how we would react. Uh, yeah. which is not bad, but it's still far from making a job ad inclusive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I think all of this is really interesting. Um, and it, I think the fundamental point that Jennifer is making is that, look, there is a potential risk that ChatGBT, I love the term synthetic job ad, by the way, I think that's really um, a, quite a, an apt description. Um, might in fact exaggerate um, uh, in, in sort of exclusionary language um, precisely because it's eliminating a lot of the nuances out there. Um, a lot of the times, the reason why ChatGBT's output is very readable is because it is really simplifying in the language. Yeah. Generally speaking, that's a positive, uh, but potentially it's taking, uh, we, we don't know whether that, how that impacts different types of people, and it could impact people in different ways. Um, so Jennifer, it'd be, it'd be great, I think people, go and share your, the, 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 um, uh, uh, your product onto the chat stream there, it'd be useful for people to explore it themselves, I think, yes. um, and to have a little mm -hmm. bit of a flavor as to how that all works. Um, and do still hang around. We're, we're going to try and bring you back uh, into the show. We're going to bring on some of the other guests to talk about the wider issue. Uh, so thanks for coming in and giving us that overview. I want to kind of get the other guests now to chew over this idea that potentially it might actually produce this type of bias. Um, so thanks a lot for your time here, Jennifer. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can bring you back later on the show. Looking forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, so I think it's really reason? interesting. Mm -hmm. but, I was going to say the re the reason I asked about like did did you see any differences when you actively prompted it to write an inclusive language was because 
Um, I saw Martin Redstone's video yesterday. It was about five minutes long, and it's, it's just like, here's what it produced when I asked it to write a job advert, and here's what it produced when I gave it the same prompt, but also said, um, eliminate um, text which is like biased. And um, the, the, I mean, my amateur like knowledge of what is biased writing, there is a, there was a difference. So it's it's just it's interesting to hear Jennifer said that it was negligible. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting is that it, we might not be able to assess it ourselves with our own no. eyes because obviously we're coming from a, a, a particular perspective. The only yeah. way in which we're going to be able to assess this properly is is probably through maybe counting the application flow um, and and seeing like do do you actually generate more or less um of the um underrepresented groups um with a change of language so you might need to just a b test them i guess um but even that is not ideal because there wouldn't be a um, you know potentially placed in the same place or at the same time or whatever it's, it's very very difficult to actually uh, demonstrate um but we, we you know we have to cope with i guess best guesses at this point um uh, but uh, anyway Let's bring the rest of our guests on. Uh, Ibtahal, I'm bring you on at the end. Um, okay, I want to get your practitioner's view, but we've got some consultants to bring on first. Um, let's see what they've got to say on the matter, um, on the issue of um, uh, bias and whether we're you know, ultimately pro or, or against this type of technology. So let's bring on um, Daniela. Oh, Devereaux is not here. Oh dear. Why has that not happened? Um, okay. She is not here. Devro, if you're watching this and you've signed in with a different name, do let me know. Uh, and, and we'll bring you on. Otherwise, uh, we're going to Bass, who I can't find for some reason. Um, okay, there's, there's ooh, has someone come on and come off. I, a bit of a disastrous technical show here. You know what? I had a laugh with a friend of mine, a, a guy I recently met in, uh, in, in Cape Town. And uh, he was he was a like film production guy. And he produces amazing, like high production quality stuff. And I was telling him, "Yeah, listen, mate, the way I do it is completely ramshackle. It's like thrown together and it works. Just watch it on Friday." And of course, it's completely ramshackle and it doesn't. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I wonder who's right or wrong here. Um, okay, Devro is in. Or Bass is there. Um, Devro is in as DEI partners. Okay, let me bring um, Bass. While you're on there, mate, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Um, Bas van der Haardert, I've, uh, I've, among other things, I'm the co-host of the Talent Savvy podcast, and I consult with people on using assessment technology in DNI and, and all kinds of quality selection and, well, actually all kinds of TA technology for lots of different companies. Fantastic and great to see you here with us, Bass. That's amazing. Um, let's see. That is Devereaux. Devereaux, sorry, I didn't uh, think to look on your company name, but great to see you uh, join us. Uh, Devereaux, why don't you quickly in introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Greetings, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am Devereaux Walton, the founder and managing partner at DEI Talent Partners. We are a talent management consulting firm focused on diversity executive search diversity, equity, and inclusion training and consulting. Specifically, we're looking to attract, develop, and retain top underrepresented talent. Happy to be here today. Great to have you with us. I've just shared your uh, your LinkedIn into the chat stream. We've got Daniel, Daniela as well. Uh, Faletti, Daniela, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yes, of course. 
Hello from France, by the way. Uh, I'm calling from Bordeaux. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to be here. I am Daniela Felletti, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, consultant. I am also a speaker and educator in these matters. I work with companies and uh, business schools, school of communication, on specific, uh, specifically on inclusive leadership, uh, training, um, behavioral science, behavioral transformation for leaders and individuals and unconscious bias eradicating this deconstructing mostly so i am not a specialized in, in the ai world uh, as it, uh, itself but i am someone very interested in always researching and i try to challenge these new <laughs> conversations because i think we need more monitoring systems uh, i love ai and i love being here talking with you and listening to all uh what you have to say as well. So thank you for inviting me. No, you're very welcome, Daniela. And in fact, I think you were the one that inspired your commentary on a LinkedIn post actually inspired this topic. So why don't we just start with your uh, your views on this? You were, you were quite critical of, or at least you were flashing up the warning signs on the usage of ChatGPT in particular, because everyone was going nuts over it. Um, and you actually had some points to make as to say, you know what, Maybe we're adopting technology uh, without due caution, and potentially there's some risks there. I wonder whether you could just replay to the uh, audience uh, what was that comment and what kind of stimulated you to make the uh, to make it. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I thought about you commenting your name because I I saw the guide for how to recruit through ChatGPT for creating job descriptions, etc. And I didn't see any mention about bias. And I also saw many other recruiters doing that, creating this guidance, but without the, uh, including a guidance on how to actually educate yourself behind it, how to identify bias. Because I think AI can be amazing. As I mentioned also before, there is people who shared with me if I am, I have dyslexia. So for me, it's very interesting to use ChatGPT. Helps me, right? Right. So how can we be inclusive using this, but also being better humans, like uh, conscious of our own bias, so we can use something using a monitoring system, creating a monitoring systems. Like uh, I really like uh, the zero GPT uh, <laughs> detector from uh, Edward Tyne, who created this to help schools uh, identify when we are using or not. Are you human or not? I'd have no idea how it does it. So uh, you should actually invite him in the future. But uh, I think we need more solutions like that. Not because we want to control people, but we want to be authentic. Like uh, you can use it as a tool, but you, we should have more you know, personal touch and also if you think of uh, i also commented that because i saw textual uh, research i'm thinking i've been following their uh initiatives on this and analyzing the bias behind and they also did one on performance uh, feedback uh if i already performance feedback without ai is super biased women are receiving more personality uh, kind of feedback and men are more inactionable. So uh, if we use AI to create the pitch, it will be even uh, less possible that I will mitigate it. So 
we need more structure, more regulations. Even uh, Mira, the, the woman behind this uh, solution of chat BPT, she mentioned that we need more regulations. We need to improve that because uh, it takes everything from internet and uh, we are humans. We are the one biased who actually introduces this information in the internet. And uh, the, the tool is only collecting it. It's not that the chat GPT is biased, we are biased. So it collects what we are, have been creating for a while, uh, since uh, ages ago. So we need to, I believe it can be a powerful tool, but we need to be careful on how we use it, who use it, for which scope, and are we really conscious about what it has behind uh, and the authenticity. I think who is frozen. I think he is frozen. Yes. I thought he was very attentive to what I was saying, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Adam, I think you're now becoming the de facto host yet again, mate. Okay. Um, hey, Adam. Can I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was really interesting. Devereaux, please give us your perspective on all of this. Yes. Thank you. I, I want to make a comment on that. I think there's a lot of really great opportunity for us to leverage AI in a lot of different ways, including the recruiting processes and practices. However, the limitations are really around equity and inclusion, right? And that's based on who's building it. So it's not just only the team initially building the, the first iteration, the first version. I know things are agile these days, but it's also important that things are maintained and there's a level of representation in the team who are working on developing and maintaining this technology because things are only going to be as effective and as inclusive as those working on it. So when we only have white males working on building a platform, we're going to have the perspectives of white males, whether they're thinking about the perspective of others or not. It's really important that we have representation building and also continuing to maintain which is an ongoing process when we're looking at AI and a lot of the machine learning. So I definitely wanted to add that comment, Adam. And can, can I add can something I on the diversity up. of the team? Because Go if on, you on. only have people with an IT background building stuff like this, by definition, even if it's women, you will only have people thinking in zeros and ones. So I, I, I've actually been arguing for some time that people in product should never have an IT background because you want the product to be for humans. So actually we should be hiring psychologists, for example, as product managers having a much bigger say because they have a broader sense. I, I, I do have a, a question for you, Daniela, because you said that it would become, um, as you said, for the feedback, um, you know, women get different feedback from their managers as men. So I would actually then think that if ChatGPT gives the feedback, at least it's more equal. I'm not saying that it's better, let's put it like that, but at least ChatGPT doesn't know who he, it is giving feedback to, at least unless you, you tell it to give feedback to something. So I actually see a potential gain there in I'm making sure. it less personal because you well, get to buy a human out. I'm not sure I understood what you mean by uh, it's more fair. Well, you said that um, uh, managers give different feedback to men and women. But yeah. if you ask ChatGPT to give a feedback message, 
and it doesn't know if it's men or women and it would give it to everybody in the same way. I'm not saying it's more personal, mm. but at least it's more equal. Perhaps it depends how which keywords you use, but uh, Textu did also uh, research on that. And the report is also when you do, um, when are creating a, a feedback, if you use, maybe it can be biased on the role the person is covering because it's considered more feminine or masculine. It will anyway <laughs> search for gendered uh, biased language. I, so I think, I think just, I want to respond a couple, on a couple of things. What Deborah just said is absolutely right for any um, algorithm or any tech team that's creating products that people are going to be using, I entirely agree there should be representation in that team from uh, you know as wide a variety of humans as 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 there can be. ChatGPT is not a recruitment tool, uh, and I think that the point is really magnified for anything in the recruitment technology area, which is going to be assessing humans and that type of thing. I would hope that OpenAI. The company behind ChatGPT or the organization behind ChatGPT has got a large representative re representation in its uh, workforce. Um, although I know that recruitment is not going to be a top 50 thing that it's thinking about in terms of a use case for this technology. Whereas us in the recruitment world are thinking about it exclusively for this. But a lot of the use cases that people are talking about for chat GPT and recruitment was, was never anything to do with how it was built for. It was certainly was never built with assessing people in mind or sourcing candidates or anything like that. It's built to generate text is, is what it's built to do. So Baz, I think your point is, is good that it doesn't know who it's responding to. So the text is text that it's built for that feedback message. It is, it's, it's not going to have any bias in that. And I agree that's, that's true. But at the same time, I don't think that's a particularly good use case for ChatGPT. It's a text. Listen, I, 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 thought, I said I didn't say it had good quality because it's not the use case. But um, unless you feed it stuff which it can get biased on, and um, that's actually what the Textio research did show, is that if you gave it certain uh, more feminine uh, titles or, or critiques, you know, um, being bubbly, for example, is something we tend never to call a man, but a woman. And then it would give very biased feedback. Yeah, uh, sure. On the other hand, <laughs> the person saying that to give criticism about being bubbly is by definition biased in itself. So is it then the tool or the human who asks for a certain feedback message? But that's that's just... Yeah, uh, no, I, absolutely. And and we, we, know, we know a lot of simple things that are going to enable a better shortlist um, in your job adverts, such as if you if you write, you know, we want people that are totally committed to crushing their targets and stuff like that, then it's very likely to attract more men than it will women. So there's a lot of things that, that we definitely should be doing. I wonder if one of the one of the one of the big uh, one of the big wins that we've got in recruitment from things like op these large language models like like ChatGPT or OpenAI is once we have got products available that really have contextualized for things like talent acquisition and for the different use cases. And that's the winners will emerge in that technology businesses will emerge, which can do that. And they've got the guardrails in place for recruitment. 
Devereaux, a question for you around like what what use cases have you had for um, OpenAI or, or, or ChatGPT or any types of these um, you know products today? Have has, has there been things that you have uh, been successfully you know trialing or or looking at? Absolutely. And I want to amplify a comment that Jennifer put in the chat. I think what's important when we look at making sure we have inclusive best practices in terms of our ways of working is to use a variety of tools, right? So if we're not relying on just one, then we're able to mitigate that risk, if not eliminate it completely. Um, you know, I, I'm old school. I use a paper planner, a paper calendar. I, I really am a uh, I, I like paper. I, I do use technology um, on a day to day, but this is actually one of the services that we do provide to a lot of startups and a lot of smaller organizations that are focused on building technology products is that inclusive product development piece. And what Boss said is so important because having people with a variety of background is also a way to achieve representation. It's not just race. It's not just gender. We're looking at age. We're looking at ability status. We're looking at sexual orientation. There's a lot of different ways to slice it. And so this is actually something that we offer tech startups and firms that are looking to build inclusive products and really make sure there's an inclusive customer experience. It's really crucial because now it's something that is not just an optional, a nice to have. It's a business imperative if you want to build and keep a sustainable business. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. I think that um, you know the 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 point around uh, that you made earlier around if it's all, I mean, let's just say it. If it's all white men who are inputting into the development of the product, it's going to be a product that's best suited for white men and going to benefit them in terms of the output. Certainly. Um, so, Baz, uh, just just on the, in terms of the like uh, other things that we need to watch out for. Uh, when it comes to DEI and use of technologies like ChatGPT, I know that you've done a lot of research and study into this area. What are the other things that you've come up with? Well, uh, the one thing, and I mean, I've read uh, the research is coming out from uh, TextTO and, and uh, uh, the other companies. And the one thing which I always wonder is what are we using as a benchmark? Because I completely believe we need to look for the risk in ChatGPT. On the other hand, the thing um, when I I know how Texio, for example, looks at gender and, uh, for example, gender bias and feminine versus masculine words, but they do it based on data, which also has a societal bias in it. So they think teacher or nursing are feminist words which attract feminist can female candidates, but just because it's jobs with a lot of women in it. So. Um, Texio's data approach isn't foolproof. I know that a lot of the scientific approaches, and I, there was just a, uh, some research from science shared in the chat as well, but those go for the conscious word where people say they're annoyed by a word which doesn't go for the subconscious or the unconscious words, which are also. So the thing which I've been saying is, has been lacking too much is actual real data about what words and we all think we know and everybody building those tools is doing the best they can but there isn't a, a complete list of um problematic language uh, not a definitive list i mean all the science is limited all the data science is limited 
And I have yet to see the first scientific research where we actually put people in an MRIs and see how they, which words certain parts of the brain light up, which is literally the, the most scientific way we can see that it triggers something. Now, I'm not saying that yeah. that means we can't do anything. I'm saying that we also need to get science involved in actually seeing what is bias or what prevents bias. So um, I, I was very critical about both, uh, both researches which have been shared here uh, simply because the data set at which they measure bias is biased. You know, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they present it as being, oh, look at us and chat GPT is much worse. While their data set is also questionable. And that's, so there's a lot of stuff going on here. And then we haven't even talked about the different languages because how biased is chat GPT in English versus French, Italian, Dutch, um it's so there's there's just so many mm. pieces to this puzzle we still haven't have to figure out i think it's a risky technology i think it's potentially an amazing technology i think it could eliminate bias and and hung's question for this this uh, uh brain food was will it have be a net positive or a net negative and for me the 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 jury is still out on that i'm I'm by definition a positive guy, so I'm currently rooting for a net positive. But to be honest, I was rooting for being it being a net positive when Twitter came out and when Facebook came out. Yeah. So, uh, so um, Daniela, I'd love to love to know what your cat thinks and if your cat feels like <laughs> there is cat bias. <laughs> it's not my cat, but uh, it's a cute one. But she wants to join. The... <laughs> it's a beautiful cat, right? Um, la la last last comments from you, Daniela, and then last comments from Devereux, because um, the truth is, I've got to collect my kids in two minutes, uh, and how, and the, the host isn't here, as we know. Uh, final comments. Was that was the last thing, Daniela? That you you think you you know people need need to be aware of on this subject. I really think we need more education behind uh, bias and how we are actually as humans, how we use it. <laughs> then we can use any kind of tool to go through everything. We need to talk more about that. We need to open more dialogues, creating uh, monetary systems, which, which is something that I do already with companies, right? I did the conference this week. And uh, the third thi first thing I say when I give you a talk on how to embrace equity, uh, if you don't do anything after this talk to continue the, the dialogue and actually monitoring and following up uh, on your actions to this, deconstruct this bias behind policies, behind uh, all the, the actions regarding career progression, etc., we cannot, uh, it's useless, right? Uh, doing yeah. any kind of training on everything. So every, a single tool, can be powerful. I love technology. I love AI because I think it's fascinating how it uh, <laughs> we advanced in that. But in the other side, uh, how many people are being exclu excluded in so many ways already without them? So measure that and uh, be conscious. So we need to regulate it more. Even Mira, who is behind the open AI, 
who is uh, the one uh, Mira Murati, uh, she mentioned that I, I shared the link of the article where she, she says, I'm really, I, I think we need to regulate it more. Uh, but yes, because it's collecting information that we already put on, on there. So it's hard to, not everyone knows how to use this so we can uh, make the AI not be biased. <laughs> so we need more help on that as well. Oh, I like the zero GPT from Edward Tyon, but I also, I think it also would need more uh, adjust on how every single use you're gonna have. So be more mindful before you use that and uh, be also authentic in the way you use it. Use it to, as a tool to help create a text, but don't use the text as itself put your own soul inside that. That's very important, I think. Yeah. That's my message. Lovely, okay, thank you. Devereaux, final comments to you. Sorry, Baz, final comments to Devereaux, and then I've got, I'm gonna have two kids on the sidewalk who are gonna be waiting for me. They're only six and eight, so Devereaux, final comments to you. Yes, thank you for that, Adam. Final comments. So I certainly agree. I think we do need more regulation. We've got to have standards and processes and procedures in place for those checks and balances. My challenge to the audience today is to find one person that you can bring into the talent pipeline within the next generation. We need representation. So find someone who is not like you in some way, someone who's neurodiverse, someone who's from a different background, a different culture or has a different nationality. And we need more people involved and engaged in this work. The more diverse voices and thoughts that we have, the better our technology products will be in 50 years. So that's my challenge to the audience today. Wonderful. Okay, look, um, I'm sorry I need to wrap up now. <clears throat> uh, on behalf of Hung, sorry this show was such a shit show. Um, absolutely loved the contributions from uh, Jennifer, Daniela, Baz, and Devereaux, you were all excellent. And I think everybody has learned uh, and is, uh, is, is thinking about these subjects even more now. Uh, it's, an important, uh, it's an important thing that we have to do in uh, really elevating cognizance about, you know, what's the impact of all of this? And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to talk about this subject. You know, for the rest of 2023, it's not going to go away. It's only going to magnify. And we're all going to get uh, more knowledgeable about it together. So thanks for joining everybody that's joined. Guests, you've been absolutely wonderful. Much love. All the best. See you again soon. Thank, Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Bye. Finally, finally, I come on when the show is actually over. Would you adamant eat it? Um, all right, listen, sorry about the technical issues, folks. Um, as ever, the internet is not my friend. Uh, well done, everyone on the show. 
Iptal, I'm really sorry we weren't able to bring you on. Adam doesn't have the admin rights to do that, so I'm the only person that can bring people on and off. Um, and I didn't actually see anything on screen for whilst everyone else is there. So anyway, I hope you had a good time and managed to get some value out of that show. Um, uh, thanks again to Adam. This is the reason why he's there. He is the default co-host. Um, and he did a marvelous job. So well done on him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, thanks everyone for being patient uh, with us on this um, we'll be back next week. I'll be back in the UK. Um, and strangely enough, I'll be talking about the country I'm currently in because uh, the next week's show is going to be the Brain Food World Tour. Um, and that is uh, continuing. And we're going to basically virtually teleport back uh, to where I am now, which is South Africa. And we're going to be talking about the hiring problems in this uh, wonderful country, um, which obviously has its challenges like every other country has. Um, but there's some wonderful people here, wonderful recruiters also. We're going to bring them together and we're going to learn a lot about what these local challenges are. Local challenges are. Um, all right, listen, that's about it. The sun is shining. I might just hit the beach or something. Um, have a good weekend, everybody. I'll see you next week.